It's Office Hours with Chris. Hi, everyone. Welcome into Office Hours. Today in the office, Brent's joining me. Hello, Brent. Well, hello there. Hi. Hey. You doing all right over there? Yeah. I'm not in my own office. I'm sitting in Alex's office, but I imagine you're in yours. We're virtually together in one office. The office of the editor-in-chief of Jupiter Broadcasting. It's a new test show. We're going to do it every other Tuesday starting next week. This is a test of a new test show. We're trying out things like uh, matrix integration. We're going to be experimenting with things for future podcasts. And, of course, we're going to be covering things that are going on in the world of Jupiter Broadcasting because we have a summer of projects coming up. We've got a new meetup in the works already, all that kind of stuff. And also we have some goals that we'd like to share with you. There's a whole bunch going on. You know, it's like a new day, Brent. The theme is possibilities today, which is a good day to do a test show. Sounds like you're feeling great today. This is, I'm excited. I started actually, I have to be honest, trending very negative. And I thought it was going to be a real crapper of a day. (laughs) What, What kicked you into that mood to start with? Well, I got RV problems again. Oh, no. Yeah, it's the damn slide again. So short version, as you're aware, is one side of our slide got some water damage. And so it caused the slide to sag a little bit. And then this thing gets retracted into the RV and it's being drug along the floor. So the motors, which are not really sufficient to begin with, are working much harder. And when it rains, we've been pulling the slide in because it's leaking where it sags. And it's been raining a lot this winter. And so we've been pulling the slide in and out a lot this winter, and we have burned out the motors now. And I'm not even sure if I'll be able to get the slide in. And, of course, I wanted to go on this camping trip with Dylan for his birthday at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. And we call around to all the shops, and we're lucky if they even call us back. We walked into one place, and they told us that they're booked out until September. (laughs) RV season hasn't even really started yet. That's what I said. And he said, no, it doesn't end anymore. It never ends. Sounds like a business opportunity to me. <laughs> Chris's RV shop. I know. I wish. I decided to actually drive around this morning before I came in and did the show today because I figured maybe I'd have a better result in person because I was getting nowhere on the phone. You know, I've worked with enough of these shops that you can kind of get an impression on how they run their schedule, how organized or chaotic the shop is just by kind of going in and talking to them. And you know that's a big factor when you're trying to get your homework done is how organized are they? Some of them are pretty bad. We went into our, our our shop that we used to go to all the time. We loved them, but then their their techs left, and we thought, okay, we got to find a new place because we you know this is important stuff. Well, we went back in there this morning. We walk in and they said, sorry, we can't see it till June, mid June. Thanks, anyways. We're gonna keep looking. So we walk out, and my wife, the assistant, she says. You know, I'm going to go back in there and just ask them, well, who the hell do they recommend them? Because there's nowhere we can go, right? Like, who who should we go talk to? So she turns around and goes back in. And she bumps into the old text that used to be great that left. They'd come back. And one of them is the owner. He'd come back. And they're great. And he worked with it. He's like, you know, well, I'll find something for you right now. And he pulls out the schedule. He starts going through everything. He's like, we have three hours here and we have six hours here. If you can drop your rig off for two days. And, and let us work over two days. We'll get it fixed for you and get you on the road before your uh, camping trip with your son. Wow. And it's just one of those, like, she just bumped into them on the way back. And like, and then I walked out. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. I'm going to call this other shop who I was considering for the other work we need done. And sure enough, it's not as, it's not as soon as I'd like, but they're going to get us in too. They're going to work with us. They're going to fix up something that's been a problem for a while. It's 
Like all of a sudden we went from not being able to get any help to I got a couple of shops I'm working with again. We're going to have things up and going, which is good because we're already planning a JB road trip for this summer or maybe fall. She's got to be road ready, you know? We need jupes in perfect condition. That's for sure. I have an idea about maybe going and visiting a mutual friend and doing some meetups along the way, you know, three or four meetups along the way. Is it intentionally cryptic or am I supposed to guess or? Well, I I haven't coordinated it with them yet, but they've offered and it's something that I think would be special and exclusive. I think you probably know what I'm talking about. Probably. I think you've had brunch with this person. But anyways, I've had brunch with like a lot of people. people. It doesn't narrow it down. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Which we should say while we have people's ear, brunch isn't necessarily gone. It's just uh, it's actually in the kitchen right now. Mm -hmm. So might come out uh, in due time. Yeah, I suppose. And when it does, this would be one of the places we talk about it, because that's sort of the general premise of the show is we get a lot of emails. We get a lot of boosts that come in and we get a lot of questions that come in. And we don't necessarily get a chance to talk about them on air, or there's a lot of initiatives that Jupiter Broadcasting is working on, maybe some projects, some web projects and stuff like that that people might want to help us out with or get involved with. And it just doesn't really make sense to take up the other shows with that stuff. I mean, we can mention it, but we don't want to take up the other shows. I also feel like if we keep this trend going, this might be the place where you get like the early take on what's coming up. So Could be. Could be. We got an email into the show. I can say that now. It was uh, a listener who sent in like the perfect hardware for Lady Jupes. It's an experiment he did for a Proxmox box last summer, but he says it's just going to be perfect for Jupes. It's low power, 10 watts, and just this nice little Intel box. And I just love this about our audience, Brent. Uh, he's listening to my problems. He's like, I found the perfect hardware for you. And he sends me all the links, all the specs that he used, <laughs> and the software stack. You know, like it's, it's, it's like a, basically a, a blueprint. It's so great. So that's the kind of stuff that you only get here as this part of this community. And Joshua touched on that, too. He says it was great to meet everyone, singing happy birthday to Wes and having cake while meeting you all and all the other great people in JB was really memorable. I hope to see some of you all again itself. I can't really say how awesome it is to meet everyone in person. Well, that's pretty great. That came from Joshua. He says, I loved geeking out with Hadia about growing plants. <laughs> I feel like it's important also to say that these meetups are equally memorable for us. Like we were just as excited to go meet everyone else. And the conversations we had there as well were super memorable and really excited, exciting. And I'm still doing research based on some of those conversations. So it's two-sided. And thank you for everyone who did show up. I think maybe one of the long-term knock-on effects of this Raleigh meetup might be that JB as a as a business or as a group or whatever you want to call it, kind of gets serious about helping the community self-organize meetups because I, I don't think we the meetup was less than 24 hours old where somebody was saying, hey, let's do another one, even if the host can't make it. Maybe some of us just want to get together. Yeah, that's great. I've seen other podcasts pull that off. I feel like it's another excuse to have a lug, JB inspired lug, and, and you and I can, you know, we can all just sort of show up whenever it fits. I also kind of wonder if maybe... It isn't going to be more important as time goes on because things are just the the world's wild these days. And so how nice is it to go somewhere where people kind of speak a common like language about something they're enthusiastic about? You could just talk to anybody about Linux and the whole technology stack. So you immediately have something to talk to people about. Plus, you have like the, hey, where are you from? And so even for people who are not like expert conversationalists, it's 
really easy to just kind of get yourself comfortable and start talking. It's that kind of awkwardness fades away for a lot of it. And I mean, it's easy for me to say because I've been to dozens and hundreds of them, I suppose, but it, it's pretty good. And uh, so I think helping the community do that could be good for people's mental health. It's good for ours. So I, I think, yeah, we, we'd love to help as much as we can. Last email from uh, Frederick. It's time to sunset IRC from the website. It's definitely time. And continue the embracing of Matrix. Strong words. How does that sit with you, Chris? Well, I'm wondering how you feel about this because I don't think you're a big Element fan. I don't think you're really necessarily sold on the Matrix thing. I think I'm sold on the idea and I'm sold on, I think, everyone's enthusiasm because as far as ideals go, I'm enthusiastic. But implementation, I'm having a difficult time with. And I don't think it's only me, but let me know what you think. And it could be the fact that I'm running slightly older hardware that, you know, maybe on some more recent hardware, some of the issues I'm running into, part of which for the most part is performance. Maybe you don't even notice on a modern machine, but this X250 that I have here just, it's fine for everything else I do, but it just like, you know, you start running a few of these apps, but Element especially, and it's just like, it was running like 80% CPU for no apparent reason for a long, 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 long time. Maybe it's early days for the software or something. I'm trying to be positive here, but um, I just had some, yeah, some issues that if it wasn't Matrix, I would just give up on that piece of software and not participate anymore. I did look at a few other clients. I think it's still early days. Many of them are in like alpha stages or beta stages and have bugs and things, but there are some great ones with great features. So I'm trying. I'm trying. You suggested maybe the web interface might be a, a thing for me to try, and I, I haven't done that yet. So there's an opportunity. NeoChat might ultimately be a better option for you. There's going to be, like you just said, there's going to be clients that will be perhaps more power efficient and processor efficient. This is the downside of using Electron as the base for Element. It's just by nature, it's extremely power hungry and uh, system intensive, unfortunately. And I'll add to this, you know, it is absolutely early days. I have a problem right now that uh, I cannot respond to any PMs. Don't know why. I suspect one of my sessions isn't properly verified, but I can use all the tools to verify my sessions. And I've logged out everything that doesn't look like it's right. And everything looks good, right? Like I've diagnosed it. Everything seems fine, yet I can't respond to any PMs. That's frustrating. You know, and I have weird quirks about just how it all works from a client side standpoint and how it how it retrieves its information from the server. Of course, there's a whole there's a whole conversation around how the state of the Synapse server. So it is very early days. But, you know, my thought here is twofold. The audience that's likely to participate in these kinds of things are, are generally, you know, the early adopter crowd. The vast majority of the audience doesn't participate in any of this stuff. Right. I mean, 99% of the audience isn't in the Telegram group, probably more than that, right? 98% of the audience never emails in. It's the leading edge of the community that even use this stuff to begin with. And so they're probably in the early adopter category. And my other thought there is, well, then, okay, if we don't use this stuff as early adopters, who will? So if we don't, as a, as a user base, put our eyes on this and find the problems and as a collective, create demand so that way the developers continue, this kind of stuff goes away and things like Discord reign supreme. And so my thought was that those two things, like, well, we've got an early adopter audience. I mean, hell, they're using the Linux desktop in a lot of cases or something, right? And we, if we don't do it, who will? 
And it also aligns a lot with sort of the long-term goals I have for JB as we go to the next 15 years, and that is to use as much self-hosted decentralized technology as possible. And so Matrix just so clearly is kind of like a long bet. I'm going long on decentralized and self-hosting and hoping that the return on investment will be that we grow us a healthy decentralized community and by the time we get to something pretty large it's hopefully the software is in good shape we've got multiple clients to choose from denerite is totally feature complete with synapse and you know all that kind of stuff it seems like and one of the reasons why i've become more enthusiastic about it is the trend is in the right direction it's perhaps slower than i would expect because I was talking to the developers who were creating Matrix, you know, probably a couple of years before anybody really talked about it in the public because I met them at OSCON and they had a small little booth that was sponsored by somebody else. And so I went up and said, what the hell is Matrix? And I, you know, might have even made it into last. It was a long time ago. So I would have thought it would be in a better spot than it is now. The protocol, all that stuff is in really good shape. The clients have been getting better. The community adoption is growing. The friction points are getting less. The third-party clients are getting their act together. It's just all happening at the speed of organic software development. You can probably sense that. And it's probably one of the reasons why you're willing to stick with it and and put up with the frustrating front-end experience. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, not to mention all the great content that's being shared there on our networks. But uh, I agree with you completely. Everything you said is like, we need to be the people that push this a little bit. And I think... Maybe it's important to spin it a little differently. You know, my experience was not 100%, but it was like 80 at least, which is saying something, you know? That feels like a huge success. And I would imagine for those early developers of Matrix, you know, seeing it from when you first met them till now, they probably feel like, geez, we've hit some massive success, but we just need to keep that going. I also think for us as, you know, the client-side consumers who are, early adopters, it's a great opportunity to get involved in a project and issue some bugs maybe and uh, get involved a little bit and have some conversation. So it, it could be an opportunity as well. My experience with the uh, people involved with the Matrix community around Synapse too is they've been interested to hear our experiences too, which is I think is a positive sign. They, you know, They're not like, oh no, it's just your configuration, you did it wrong. <laughs> they're like, tell us what happened. You know, what, what led to this? And that seems like a positive signal to me too. So we'll see. I think long-term it, it, it is going to be a good thing, but it is a bit rough. And so what we've decided to do is since we're doing the office hours live on Tuesdays, every other Tuesday. Fortnightly, you might say. Yep. We've decided to use the Matrix chat room as the official on-stream chat. All our other shows that are live have always used IRC. And so we're just going to start making it normal to, to just work out the kinks you know, so we can figure out the OBS integration so users can identify what doesn't work for them, just all that kind of stuff. So that's my goal. And then we'll also have the Mumble server going, which is another decentralized communications tool, but it's just down today. Here's why I've been banging on about decentralization more and more recently. It's been like my focus in 2022 because I've seen the walls closing in on the podcasting industry. That's why I have been talking more about value for value time, treasure, and talent, and boosts. It's about changes that are happening in the industry with centralization and other pressures that are happening. 
And I, let's talk about a couple of these. Now, one I've talked about before, but there's new news in this regard, is Spotify. Spotify has just purchased two podcast analytics companies at the same time, the two major players, actually, Podsites and Chartable. And the job of these two companies has been to play Switzerland. They are a third party that sits between the podcaster and the advertiser. And they measure your downloads via URL redirect. You'll see these sometimes in podcasters' URLs. They'll have a little redirect in there, like for PodTrack or Chartable or something like that. If you look at the actual URL for the MP3 file. And that, that's for a third party to track the download numbers. They're not tracking anything more than your country of origin and the download. And the idea is, is that the podcaster and the advertiser can believe the numbers that Chartable or PodSites reports. And so that can be a, a neutral number from which you negotiate ad rates and establish audience size for a podcast and things like that. Spotify, Spotify is both the podcaster and the advertiser. And now they have just bought PodSites and Chartable. So now the fox is watching the hen house here is what's happening. And this is going to reduce third-party measurement capabilities that are sort of neutral. And this uh, is a problem. Here's a quote here I pulled. It says, in the podcast space and really any media channel, there's always a concern about the idea that publishers shouldn't be grading their own homework or that there should be third-party verification to help advertisers gain confidence in the space. The other thing that jumped out at me here is, for some reason, even though I've been talking to you guys about this pretty much this entire year so far, some, I would guess, ad commentators, people who commentate on the ad business, uh, it's, it's a company called Sounds Profitable. They said, quote, people were shocked that Spotify bought both of them at once. Buying one of them puts pressure on the other one. It changes the space. It creates more competition. Buying both of them creates a hole in the space. And of course, there's also concerns that Spotify's consolidation could make it even harder to get actual, real, reliable data that doesn't involve creepy tracking now. Because Spotify does a whole different level of tracking. This is a problem. What do you think is their motivation internally to do this? You know, it, it obviously, we know the impacts and the ramifications, but what is, you know, they must have a motive other than just squashing the numbers. So they want to be sort of the Google AdWords or Facebook marketplace of advertising for audio content. So you go to the Spotify advertising platform, you choose the demographic you're looking for. So you could say millennials, you could say millennial females, you could say millennial males, you could say, you know, diff you know different age groups, different demographics in terms of work and interests. And then you can use this automated system to buy and bid on advertising that then gets dynamically inserted into the podcast upon download. And uh, so they're always bidding those slots in real time and they kind of become the go-to place. And uh, before this, they were already sort of becoming the go-to place in advertising. I've been having a conversation with some of our advertisers and Spotify is pushing this hard. They basically want to be Google ads for podcasting. I don't like it. I mean, I didn't like it before. I really don't like it now. <laughs> Which would be a massive centralization of revenue in the podcast industry, right? It would make Spotify essentially the ultimate gatekeeper. Not to bang on about how bad the situation is, but there's another angle to this, too, that's closing in on the podcasting industry. The Brookings Institute, which is a, essentially a think tank that provides uh, often bad policy ideas to the critters in D.C. And they're now making recommendations 
for addressing content moderation in podcasts. It's time for a reckoning in podcasts. Just as Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube and other digital platforms have struggled for years with difficult questions about what content to allow on their platforms, podcast apps must now weigh them as well. So this is from the Brookings Institute that I'm reading from, and it's a very long piece, but I've highlighted a couple of critical sections here. I'll put the link to this in the show notes. For starters, they write, podcast apps, podcasting apps, need to develop a far more nuanced and transparent policies for the kinds of content that users can download and play. Podcasting applications should also have clear guidelines for what kinds of podcasts the app itself will recommend. So they're even talking about tweaking what the apps recommend. Now, the reason why I have obvious concerns with this is what is considered a loud speech, safe speech, and they even say illegal speech in here, which is an interesting concept, that shifts with time. And so like right now, this wouldn't necessarily affect any of the core Jupiter Broadcasting shows. This clearly would be a concern for something like Unfilter. But this would not be a concern for any of the Jupiter Broadcasting shows today. But if a horrendous like incident happened that changed the conversation around encryption, maybe you know some sort of event where, where it couldn't be prevented or we couldn't find out who did it because of encryption, and the conversation around encryption flips and it becomes a matter of national security. Well, at that point in time, I'll be on air advocating for the right to encryption and privacy. I'm not going to change my position. But society around me may change one day on that particular point. Same for Bitcoin. There could have been a version of reality where free software was thought of as an extreme anti-capitalistic idea. And there is probably an alternate reality where they shut down speech about free software because it harms the economy, it harms capitalism. It just depends on the state of society at the time. And podcasts are the last bastion of truly open thought. And they're also a great example of the user being able to select or deselect that stuff. But the Brookings Institute is saying that we need to make it easy to start reporting podcasters who say the wrong thing. Podcast apps need to build in reporting tools. And they show how Spotify fails to do that, but Apple already allows for that. And of course, it needs to go beyond just what podcast developers do. There needs to be regulation. And again, the Brookings Institute, that's their job, right? They make policy that Congress creators can put their name on. So they write here, regulation and lawmakers have a role to play in shaping the policies in the podcast ecosystem. Apparently, there's policies in this ecosystem. Policymakers and regulators should push for greater transparency on content guidelines and policies, clear guidelines about what we're allowed or what is restricted to talk about. Of course, they should be transparent. Moderation practices and appeals processes for all podcast apps should be regulated. So all podcast apps must have the ability for a pissed off listener to report me. And the recommendation algorithms they use for discovery must be regulated such that they don't position anti-political content as popular and that they throw some numbers in here and they say there's a public interest, a public good in understanding how all of these algorithms will work for these different apps and making sure that there's a basic list of what they call factors about what the algorithm considers when it's boosting an episode or a series to the viewer. 
And then last but not least, but really the core piece of all of this, funding. Regulators need to get involved with funding for podcasts. At present, advertising represents the primary source of revenue for the podcasting industry. That means there's a vulnerability there. So perhaps there's regulation that could be applied to podcast advertisers. And we need more transparency. And we need to apply the radio reporting guidelines to this market. And given the size of the podcast ecosystem, these guidelines might need to be limited to series that generate maybe a certain minimum revenue. So I'm going to have to also report my revenue, however they're going to judge that. Or an audience size. So whoever this regulator regulation body is, I'm going to have to report to them my audience size. So that way we have an additional level of transparency, they argue. You see where this is going. They argue, in short, regulators should push podcasting applications to adhere to the emerging standards for transparency. And they have some they recommend. And they've published those. This is why we've been talking about value for value. This is why we've been talking about boosts. Now, this is pretty close to me. You know, this is my baby, the whole podcasting thing. So do you think I'm overreacting, Brent? Or, you know, you look at all this together. Is this maybe time to start taking this a little more seriously? I don't feel like you're overreacting at all. Hearing you read all of that got me like, I don't know, a little scared, I think might be the word. Because it feels to me like podcasting was born of an era where everything was so like stiff and controlled and it was finally a way that people could just you know you're a perfect example people who could just by themselves record something and share it to you know an audience and it feels like they're just trying to take that idea and turn it into what was the old system that just feels antithetical to me it's like well we're just going to come out with something new then if that's the case and and not without a heck of a lot of work and like some pretty combative um, outcomes, I would imagine. So I, I don't like this at all. It's also happening right now when uh, Elon Musk is sort of forced upon the social media world, this debate about how much free speech is good. Podcasting, I think, is born of sort of a free speech absolutism mentality because there's such selection. There's so many podcasts that if somebody's a kook, you don't have to listen to them. You can go somewhere else. And I know the argument is, well, the susceptible person might listen to like an Alex Jones type and get radicalized. I suppose that is indeed possible. I know people who have listened to stuff like that and and gotten pretty worked up. But I also think it's sort of not giving folks enough credit for being intelligent and putting things together on their own and, and evolving their opinion over time. And I know we all know people who don't, but we all know people who do as well. And so it's not really our decision to make. That's my take on it. And so I hate to see this kind of stuff come because also it would make running a business more expensive. No doubt about it. You know, from a selfish standpoint, it's sort of already a lean operation. And so having to jump through hoops like disclosing audience information to some, you know, I don't know whoever it would be, the FCC. I don't know who it would be. But if they're talking about applying the radio transparency guideline standards for advertising, you have to disclose your audience reach, your audience size, your revenue, all of that. And then it seems like you've really opened the door to essentially controlling the speech of podcasters because not only are you normalizing a method to report them, which is already shown to be erroneous more often than not on social media and on YouTube, but you're not really improving upon those systems. Those systems are essentially flawed. And I think the fundamental argument for their use is actually in question right now. And so to just 
kind of blindly move forward on initiatives like this without ever really stopping and reevaluating what we've done so far and if it has or has not been successful, it always strikes me as perhaps there's another motivation. Because if the motivation was pure and just, then self-reflection would be built in. And we'd be reflecting on the types of moderation that we've been implementing and what has been successful and what has failed, what moderation went too far, what moderation didn't kick in soon enough. And we'd be evaluating that and improving upon it. And we'd be creating it in a way that was fair for everyone. But that's not what's happening. Instead, we're just sort of marching forward with this vague idea that we have to protect people from misinformation so that way they don't get fooled because they're not smart enough to figure it out on their own. And, you know, we thought it'd stop on Twitter, but it's not. Right. We've seen it spread to YouTube. We've seen it spread to all of the other platforms. We've seen it spread to places that we probably don't even realize it's happening. Now we're seeing it happen in the podcast space. And the thing about something like this coming from the Brookings Institute is this is the scary stuff that happens sort of in the slow kind of creep way, not the flashy propagandized version by a company that comes out and swings from the from like their uh, keynote stage. This is the way D.C. really works. And that's what kind of alarms me about this, is this is the way you actually get new policy and regulations, this and money. But that's how these think tank works to begin with. So I'll have a link to that in the show notes if you guys are curious. But that's one of the reasons why, why we've been looking for other models and whatnot. But we are looking for ways to improve too, Brent. You know, it's not just about the monies. It's also about just making the experience better for folks and taking in feedback and input. And so we've been launching various ways for people to give us that feedback, including there's a new general questions email. If something uh, you want to get in front of us for this show, you can send an email to questions at jupiterbroadcasting.com, or you can use the general comments drop down on the JB contact page. But Brent, you've been working on a new GitHub page where people can file issues. Yeah, we've been thinking, geez, there are, you know, both issues that we notice and also that you as listeners seem to notice. And gathering them all in one place sounds like a really great idea. And also selfishly, I wanted to learn how to use GitHub because I'm not that well versed at it. So I've been setting up in the background a little uh, Jupyter Broadcasting, a bunch of little GitHub projects that you can file bugs against issues, I suppose they call them. So for instance, I, I made one public here that we can share right away. We made one for the Matrix server. So if there's anything going on with the Matrix server, including what I'll call feature requests. You know, if there's a, a new room idea that you have, that's a perfect place to throw that in and get our attention. And we can easily implement that if we think it's really great. So I would recommend that people try to use that. Even if you are not that familiar with GitHub, maybe it's a great way to start getting familiar like me. We'll also have various projects for, for instance, the website and maybe some of the membership stuff. I know we're having some feed issues sometimes, and that's a great place to put that too. We got a note that came into the show via Boost, which uh, we have signed this up for the Boost support. So if you want to support the show and get your message in. In fact, I'm encouraging also bug reports over Boost. Like you got something you've been thinking about the network should do, should do better. Send your criticism, your comments, your concerns over a Boost and we'll get them into the show. But uh, we got 500 sats from uh, Eric JR and he says, I'm glad you guys covered the wise camera security issues in self-hosted 68. Thanks for looking out for everyone. I wish we had a good barbecue place in Central California. Now, here's my question. If you know of a great place kind of near the I-5 corridor from the very tippity top of California to the very south of California, a place where 30, 40, 50, 80 people could hang out along that I-5 corridor of California, send us in a boost or an email questions at jupiterbroadcasting.com 
let me know or Chris at JupiterBroadcasting.com. I don't care how you do it, but I'm looking to collect information on strategic spots that if we end up doing something down in California, we could have a few spots along the way where we could meet up with people, do little micro meetups and stuff like that. Also, a lot of boosts about people that are kind of upset that we don't have the ability to send boosts from the members feeds. That's a third party service limitation. They generate that RSS feed, not us. And as such, we cannot add the value tag, but it really is pissing people off. <laughs> and, and I, you know, you know, I did not expect that the people who are already supporting us through a membership would then also want to boost. That's amazing. They're amazing people and they're awesome. So we got 5,000 sats from Zach. And he says, I'm a Jupiter signal supporter. So I get the core contribute and other feeds, which are apparently not set up to receive lightning payments. Now, I've heard you talk about value for value, so I bought some BTC for the first time just to set this all up, but I was disappointed to have to troubleshoot this. Eventually, I had to subscribe to the main feed just to send this. I love the shows, but I wanted to let you know I'd be happy to send a boost from time to time if you set up lightning for the supporter feeds. Oh, kills me. Yeah. It kills me. He's saying, Chris, can I please send you some sats? And I'm like, no, sorry. <laughs> Which is what this whole system was trying to avoid, isn't it? Yeah, this is, the again, a problem of centralization with these services is that they control all of this. And the flip side with some of this is this is what we try to balance. It's like, well, is this is is managing the member stuff something we really want to balance or do we want to use a service that is like known for doing this correctly and securely and privately and does the you know, does that part and then generates the feed based on your membership status? That's the route we decided to go. And I'm not sure it was the wrong one because I'm not really sure we should be building our own membership system. That sounds like a nightmare. Perhaps there's some way we could do that in the future. But this is the downside to that kind of stuff. And those are the trade-offs we're constantly making. Most of the time, we just sort of go on the self-hosted side and Wes figures it out. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I don't think. Goodness for Wes. But every now and then, you know, we got we to gotta help him out and, you know, you know, do things like maybe find a, a provider who, who offers a good membership system. But we got boost from listener in Manchester too, but I'm going to save that for the self-hosted podcast because he's in there talking about his self-hosted stuff. But thanks everybody in there. If you'd like to send us a boost, go get yourself a new podcast app at newpodcastapps.com and then you can boost. Boost. That's a robot. Did you hear it? I did, but I was trying to identify who it was. Boost. I think it's a speak and spell robot. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> Boost. It could be. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. This is just a test episode. We're just testing out the pipeline here. But here's the idea is that fortnightly on a Tuesday, starting next Tuesday, which will be April 26th. Oh, man. That's going to be complicated for me. But starting next Tuesday and then fortnightly after that, we're going to do this show. I think that's the plan. We'll have the mumble room working by then. The server's just down today as we record. We'll be using the JB chat on the Matrix server to do the uh, live chat. And uh, we'll talk about things that we're working on. I'll tell you about some of the projects we have coming up. I may have firmer details on the JB road trip that we are brewing. And, uh, of course, we'll have your boosts and your questions to cover, too. So that'll be a big part of the show. I think that's it, Brantley. I have a question for you as a listener. Oh, yeah. Okay. How's it going to work for guests? Are you going to have special guests? Are you going to like? I think so. That was one of the reasons I wanted to do this is I, I wanted to create a platform where every now and then something that didn't quite fit in the show, you know, could, could be brought in and we could chat. Mm -hmm. Recently, I've been chatting behind the scenes with like a tail scale engineer. I'd love to kind of pick his brain. 
I don't know if there's a particular show that fits on, but I think so. Are you going to join me next time? What do you think? That's my question. I'm so used to Tuesdays being our sort of sit down and do the podcast day that I think I think that might happen more often than not. Well, you know, my office door is always open. Oh, that's kind of you. Thank you. Although when we record, we should probably close the door. Yeah, I don't want to let that horse out, right? But I'll be in my office on Tuesdays, at least fortnightly. So you come in, you join me. Audience is welcome to join us live, or we'll be publishing this over at officehours.hair, and you can subscribe at officehours.hair slash subscribe. There you go. Thanks for joining us, everybody. <laughs>